Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So Vic, do you think you might have ADHD? Well, listeners keep emailing me telling me that they think I do. So probably. Mind you, listeners also email us saying we talk too much about your mum's feet. So what do they know? Yeah, fair enough. I honestly had no idea about the connection between overdrinking and ADHD until we started this podcast. About 40% of people that have had any sort of drinking issues also apparently have ADHD. Whenever we chat to ex-drinkers, this comes up more than you'd believe. If you have ADHD or suspect you might or just want to learn about this link, then we would encourage you to check out the I Have ADHD podcast. It's the place where adults with ADHD find research-based information, validation and tons of support. This is the best way to feel less alone and hear some of the answers to the questions you've been sitting with for too long. You'll hear detailed descriptions of what it means to have ADHD and enjoy interviews with the foremost experts in the industry so that you don't have to read those ADHD books that are collecting dust on your shelf. Yeah. Listen to the I Have ADHD podcast and learn how ADHD affects every aspect of your life. From the boardroom to the bedroom. In the podcast, you'll also hear about their ADHD coaching programme, which is called Focused. Focused is made up of three pillars, courses, coaching and community. It is designed to help you build your own self-improvement programme and is perfect for the ADHD brain. And you can get $50 off the course just by using the code SOBER, S-O-B-E-R. So if you're tired of feeling stuck and don't know where to start, listen to the I Have ADHD podcast. The kettle's boiled, Vic. Great. Perfect timing. Just a dash of milk for me, please, mate. Here you go. Shall we get started, then? Have you ever woken up on a Sunday morning and said, I'm never drinking again, and then found yourself waving 50 bucks at a barman by happy hour? Are you wondering why everyone else can stop at one, while you head to a dodgy after-party with a weird bloke called Disco Dave? If so, it might be time to take a deeper look at your relationship with your reliable social crutch, alcohol. On each episode, we'll investigate our own dysfunctional dealings with booze and find out if it's possible to stop this deeply ingrained habit before things get too messy. Yep, we're going to open up a shame shed of humiliating drinking stories to help you understand why waking up from a booze coma each weekend with a kebab sticking out of your top pocket might actually be negatively impacting your health. Hamish and I are here to delve into what it's like being sober, an unwanted warts and all look into why giving up those cheeky pints or putting down those mummy wines will make you feel happier, help your anxiety and mental health and turn you into the most sparkly, authentic version of you. Won't that mean I become boring though, Vic? Well, Hamish, we'll just have to wait and see. I'm Victoria Vanstone. I'm Hamish Adams-Cairns. And this is Sober Awkward. So, Vic, what is the weirdest thing that you have ever craved? In sobriety? Just in life, I reckon. <laughs> including pregnancies. Yeah, including pregnancies. Well, one of the weirdest things I've ever craved is whiskey. God. <laughs> Do you even like whiskey? No. Nope. I that's can't the point. stand it. Because that's the point. It's weird cravings, isn't okay. it? Things that get out of the blue. I need and a I... lot of context for this. Okay, because it's so weird, isn't it? I never drank whiskey as a drinker. <laughs> the only time I ever drank it was when I used to play a game called Please Sir, Can I Have Some More? Oh, a lot of a <laughs> twist themed, is it? <laughs> yeah. It was when me and my mates used to get back from a night of clubbing. So it would be like three o'clock or four o'clock or whenever it was, eight o'clock in the morning. Yep. And we'd be so stoned that we'd all forgotten our own names, mm. that sort of level of... of um, intoxication sure. and then someone would get out a bottle of Glenfiddich and you had to do a shot of it without wincing or or what's the word? Oh like a poker face Yes like a poker yeah. face and then you'd have to hold your glass out and go please sir can I have some more without without flinching <laughs> Sure Yeah and that was the game so that was the only time I ever drank whiskey which was probably not the best time okay, to drink so it anyway well, You've craved it since then Do you think you crave the game? No I haven't craved it Okay That's not true <laughs> I'm not a sober guru that that craves whiskey, whiskey every day. 8am no. every Sunday morning. <laughs> no, you'll be pleased to hear. But what happened was, 
it's that association thing, Hamish. I was watching TV and it was like a period drama about the English countryside. And I do get a bit of longing when I watch mm. things about England, especially if it's old school and they're all like a period drama and they're yeah. dressed up in Edwardian outfits and things like that. I get this sort of yearning for the English countryside. And it was some guys up at a bar having a tumble of whiskey and it looked really sophisticated. And I thought for a moment, if I had a bottle of whiskey here, I would grab it and neck it. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't like, oh, I'll have a, a nice little glass, a nice little shot, and I'll swirl it around in a tumbler. It was like, if I had a bottle of whiskey right here, right now, I would put it to my lips. Okay, you and did. I was really surprised by it. <laughs> I'm so glad you said this. I literally had this conversation last night. Yeah. I watched an episode of Billions last night. Oh, yeah. And in Billions, yeah, they're always like in suits in fancy offices or in like a penthouse apartment overlooking New York with a sexy glass of whiskey just talking about business. I was like, Liz, can we just like get sexy glasses and talk about business sometimes in suits? (laughs) It wasn't so much the whiskey, but I was like the whole look I craved. Isn't it funny, the craving thing, like, which is obviously what we're going to be talking about today. It's funny how we want to put ourselves in the life of someone else because that never really existed, did yeah. it? But like, still, we want to recreate something that we've never done before. Like, I wanted to go back in time and yeah. be that person, yeah. Yeah. even though that is never going to happen. It was just this weird feeling that I wanted to do it. So true. It- our, our life, like, if me and Liz were to sit around with tumblers talking about business, it would be like... Can we afford daycare this yeah. week? Yeah. No, like maybe we can get a yogurt at the weekend. Yeah, if baby we, business. If we don't go out for coffee this week. <laughs> it's like that. What's that kids show with the boss baby? Boss baby. You'd be like yeah. a couple of boss babies. Yeah. It's lucky that I don't live in a country pile in Hertfordshire, though, Hamish, isn't it? Rather, yeah. I live in a bungalow in Queensland, so I don't crave whiskey every morning when I wake up. You'll be pleased to hear. That's it. But early on in sobriety, those things can jump out at you, mm-hmm. and you crave the feeling of not feeling. I guess that's what it is. It's and that's actually what addiction is. And the other thing is breastfeeding. I sometimes still crave that. Really? I loved it. Yeah. And I miss it. And I crave my children being babies again. So there's all sorts of different types of craving. My my main one food wise when I was pregnant was fizzy cola bottles and muff. But I should have written muff in there. <laughs> no, I've written cola bottles and muff. Yes, I was. Yeah. Well, it's like me between the ages of 14 and 19. Yeah, fizzy cola bottles and muff. muff. <laughs> that sums up Hamish's youth. Interesting. Yeah. I was also going to say, you know, I am probably more likely to have another child than you are. Yes. Would you like to breastfeed them? Oh, yeah. We are we that close already, are we? I reckon we, we could do that. Yeah. Take, takes a village, doesn't it? I looked after my sister's son once and sent her a photo of me pretending <laughs> to breastfeed her child. She wasn't, she didn't think it was very funny. He's 13. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how about you, Hayne? What do you crave? Yeah, so I, I mean, my favourite food, I think I've told you this, is... When people ask me what my favourite food is... Cereal. If, yeah. Yes. It, my answer is depending on on the person that asks it. If you're yes. French and a, and a wino... Uh, not a wino. Foie like gras. A, yeah, obviously <laughs> something sophisticated. Yeah. But between you and me, cereal. Can and, I just make a point there? Foie gras is not sophisticated because it involves a horrible process oh, yeah. where ducks have something forced fed. Forced fed. Yeah, so no, foie gras, foie gras is not sophisticated. Foie gras is off the menu. Off the menu. Um, cereal, though. So I don't necessarily crave it every day, but I did. I used to do lots of marathons. Yeah. And quite regularly, I would crave cereal during the marathon. Right. And I, I did a bit of research this week. Which I always do because I'm educated. Yeah, you know, and I'm just are, always yes, looking you are. to you are broaden very educated, my horizons. Yeah. And there is a link to do with your breathing and the foods that you crave. Right. So if you are doing what's called anaerobic exercise, where you are effectively breathing in and out of your mouth or yeah. in of your nose and out of your mouth, it's mm-hmm. like more intense exercise. You crave foods that are high in sugar and salt. Interesting. So you think I'm going to do a hit session and then I'll be great for the day. Mm. If you do a hit session, you're more likely to crave chocolate and fast food and sweets oh, right. in the afternoon than if you did aerobic exercise which would be just in and out the nose and more low paced exercise oh that's interesting I, I am always starving after I go boxing yeah yeah interesting but funnily enough the only time that a doctor has ever said to me you can eat a McDonald's now is after a marathon because you lose so much sugar and salt right. through sweat yeah so I crave a McDonald's and cereal throughout any kind of long distance run a friend of mine once craved coriander during her pregnancy she doesn't like coriander but during her pregnancy, she would eat it like it was celery. Like she'd eat mouthfuls of it. Weird. She'd buy a bunch and just 
<laughs> crush it like a rabbit. Well, you get those people that like lick washing powder. We talked about it before, haven't we? All those weird cravings. And I watched that awful program. I think it was called Weird Cravings. Albert. Yeah, and there was some woman who was sticking a coat hanger up her bottom. <laughs> Is yeah. that a craving? Or what's that for just, her? She's just has maybe some Maybe I changed the channel. I searched for the wrong thing. <laughs> Are you sure that was a new porn? <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, it was. The coat hanger lady. I must ask you here, Hamish, Go before on. we carry on, what alcohol have you craved since giving up drinking? Okay, good question. I would say Guinness. Yeah. I was relieved when they, they brought out a non-alcoholic Guinness during my sobriety. That did yep. not exist a year ago, and now it does. So yep. I tried it in England, and it, it did the job. Okay, great. Ah, any other alcohol? I, I drunk such limited alcohol alcohols alcoholics i drank such limited alcohols during my drinking years uh, champagne because we keep getting given it for free yes, you keep having big events don't we you kept... like your wedding and the birth of your son all these yes, things so and these fancy that hotels. association would cause a craving so yep. the first glass of champagne i crave particularly when it's in a fancy hotel and you're yep. on holiday i think a lot of people would resonate with that cocktails i don't crave cocktails no. i never really like me neither um and as we both discovered drinking out of coconut is better than a cocktail yes true so i guess those really yeah i don't really crave beer that often no. guinness i do but you know i don't walk past a pub and go oh i wish i was in there i really beer, even yeah. after a long day if someone walked no, past you with a frothy beer that's I'm good quite hap- i'm quite happy in pubs okay it's not an issue for me being around alcohol okay that's good um, like i'm sure it can be for others what, what yes. have you what have you felt have you craved oh, it's just that cold beer occasionally yeah. I, I see it's a very fleeting thing we'll talk about it later on in the program mm. but yeah i a craving for me is a different thing than it was in my early sobriety now mm-hmm. yeah and okay. i'll go into that a bit later interesting yeah so what are we talking about today? So what I'm going to try and do today is to really boil down what it takes to have a long and healthy sobriety. Now, obviously, it'd be easy to list about 100 different things here, many of which we've covered over the course of the podcast, but I'm going to focus on just two. Okay, great. Let me guess. Chocolate and unlimited tea. Well, worryingly, that does actually seem to work for most people. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to suggest something a little bit healthier. Oh, boring. We should definitely do an episode on chocolate and tea. I can't I think, believe we've done like a hundred episodes. Well, I think we've we generally mentioned them in each one. That's it's true. kind of like it's spread out, isn't we it? We do a little two to three minutes in every episode on chocolate and tea. Yeah, we do. We've actually talked about it more than we have sobriety. Yeah. Here is what I came up with in the meantime, though. The two key factors that contribute to a long-lasting and healthy sobriety are... Take it away. One, can you replace a bad habit with something healthier? And two, can you control your cravings? It's very simplified. I like it. It It works for my small brain. (laughs) I always have to write things with your tiny brain in mind. Yes, that's good. Yeah, that's excellent. I think it's like most of our audience would agree with that too. Yeah. Yeah, not saying you've all got small brains, but... If you listen to this podcast, perhaps you have. (laughs) So, yeah, basically, can you stop drinking in the first place and can you fight off the urge to start back up? Exactly. So we're going to break down this episode into three parts. In order to truly overcome a craving forever, first up, we need to fully understand how a habit is formed and what makes them difficult to break. Then we're going to look at cravings and why you're craving a drink actually has nothing to do with alcohol and finally i'm going to finish off by giving you the simplest possible advice for bouncing back from a relapse should you give in to a craving oh i'm excited hamish i can see that vic but pop your bra back on get down from the table and let's get on with the podcast sorry (laughs) Hame. old habit precisely so how is a drinking habit first formed well it all begins with trial and error whenever you encounter a new situation in life your brain makes a decision how do i respond to this After a period of time trying a few things out, you stumble across a decision. You're feeling anxious, going for a drink calms you down. You're mentally exhausted after a day's work, a drink helps you unwind. You're struggling to deal with a social insecurity before going out, a drink seems to quieten this down. Yeah, or you've slept with your boss's husband and having a couple of wines blocks it out. (laughs) I see, Hamish, I can totally relate to this. For me, it was a combination of my anxiety and my people-pleasing ways leading me back to the bottega. Oh, the bottega. Oh, si, bottega. She's she's been to Italy recently, she's come back speaking French. Uno cappuccino. (laughs) Molto calde, per favore. Ah, si, sì, prego. Yeah. Whereas for me, it was more of a social pressure. It was what everyone else was doing, and I was no different. We both drank to celebrate, to grieve, to let off steam, to cap off the end of a week, or to kickstart the weekend. We also drank, well, just because, I guess, didn't yeah. we? 
because of Eurovision, because it was midday somewhere, because I'm a parent and I've earned it, we've all got our reasons and excuses. Basically, it didn't take much or anything, really, to convince us to drink. Yeah. As a habit, it's repeated over and over. You will want to drink as soon as you feel anxious or exhausted or socially insecure or whatever emotion that drinking seemed to alleviate. Your brain doesn't even need to think about it. The habit of drinking has become so part of your non-conscious mind. As soon as these habits are picked up and embedded in our brains, it's bloody hard to undo them. They've been reinforced hundreds of times since we began drinking as young teenagers and we associate feelings with alcohol. Yeah, it's all that wiring, Hamish. We always say we were wired this way. Of course it is choice at the beginning and it turns into not being a choice in the end. Well, that, this is it. This is why if we had never drunk, yeah. you would never make the connection between stressed, have a drink, grieving, have a drink, celebrate, have a drink, and our lives would turn out probably very different. Yes, we wouldn't be sat in a stench pit like we, we are now. We wouldn't have a career making sobriety podcasts, no, exactly. actually. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, thank God we were a couple old lushes at a bar boozing for our whole lives. <laughs> this is exactly what we're saying and why it would be so beneficial to have not started drinking in the first place. It's the key lesson we should be teaching our children before they reach the age that they start drinking. Sadly for us and for most of you, I'm sure... We did start drinking young and the wheels of motion that created this habit started rolling. Because of this, although you can break a habit, you are very unlikely to ever forget one. Researchers refer to this phenomenon as cue-induced waiting. An external trigger causes a compulsive craving to repeat a habit. Once you notice something, you want it. Yeah, it's like chocolate. If it's in the fridge, oh, I see it, there's no going back. Yeah. It's going in the gullet. We call that see want shop. So Liz will walk past someone. Liz will walk past someone in a nice outfit or something with an orange ice cream. And she'll look at me thirty seconds later. But I really want an orange ice cream. Liz, it's because that chick just walked past an orange ice cream. You've just seen it, and now you want it. You've never even thought of that before in your whole life, and now you've just seen it. You're like, oh, I really want that. See, want shop. That's so good. Yeah, Yeah, I love it. This sounds a bit like us seeing a glass of beer with condensation running down the side or a swim-up pool bar or something like that. Those associations again. Just for a second, we want it even though we are happily sober. Just like me and the whiskey. Part of the reason for this comes back to our old mate, dopamine. Oh, yes. I love researching about dopamine. You fucking love dopamine, don't you? In fact, your most favourite dopamine hit is finding out about dopamine. Nothing gives me more dopamine hits than just researching dopamine. (laughs) Such a loser. Sad case. Such a loser. Oh, that's funny. I've learned something that I didn't know about dopamine before. Okay, great. Which is surprising because I've read a book on dopamine. Yeah, that is surprising. So the truth is that dopamine is not only released when you experience the pleasure, like drinking the beer in this example, but it's even released when you anticipate it. Okay? Oh, yes. Okay. So yep. Think about the excitement you feel thinking about an upcoming holiday or yes. daydreaming about what the lottery ticket you just bought could win you. Yep. That feeling is down to the dopamine being released before the experience. And it's often more pleasurable than the experience itself. Yeah, for example, we've both been on a few shit holidays, haven't you? Do you remember yeah. how excited I was before I went to Bali last year? <laughs> yeah, and I was basically ended up excreting liquid from all orifices. <laughs> I was like, yay, everybody, I'm going to Bali. And then it was just me, like, lying on a bathroom floor for two weeks. And then I had COVID as well, didn't I? Yeah. I thought it would be a week on a sunbed having a doze, but it was actually a week spent on the toilet with a bum hose. Oh, very good. And there's a line of a poem. You need to to grow that into a poem, I feel. There's your opening line. Work on that. Would you like me to say it again? <laughs> if you could, just say it again. Okay, so I, it. I thought I would spend a week on a sunbed having a doze, but actually I spent it on the toilet with a bum hose. <laughs> a I'm bum laughing hose. at my own joke. What a weirdo. <laughs> bum uh, hose is going to be tough to wipe out of my brain. <laughs> love a good bum hose. This is why simply resisting a temptation is not always a long-term strategy. You may need to cut it off at the source. Remove all of the alcohol from your house or refrain from attending bars, pubs, friends' houses where drinks readily available. Make it invisible in your life. If you remove the cue for the craving, then the entire habit will fall away. Well, hopefully. But the problem is, Hamish, then you turn on the TV and you go out and alcohol is everywhere. I think even if you lived in a cave in Siberia, which is probably where Lucy lives now, um, you couldn't avoid alcohol. True. Yeah, so... 
no matter where you go, you're going to get triggered into a craving. And, and that's unfortunate for us to say that. <laughs> Hopefully everything we do on this podcast, Hamish, will change that in 20 years' time. And it is changing, but it is very hard to be sober and go anywhere without being triggered by something, quite honestly. Very, very true. Yeah, so it's a nice segue into cravings there, Hamish. You're not as silly as you look. Thank you very much. <laughs> to understand what a craving is, we first need to wrap our little heads around the science of how the habit works. You know how excited science makes me, Hamish. I'm going to be up on the bed again swinging well, no. my bra above my head. <laughs> Woohoo, science! It's weird, actually, because... I get excited about it too, and I was shit at science at school. Oh, yeah. It was my uh, worst subject by miles. And do you know why it was my worst subject? Go on. Because we had a teacher who came over to our desk, and he always had her in an erection. Really? Yeah, let's not go into that. Flattering. Though. Not flattering. Did he have an erection when he went to other girls' desks, or just you? No, it's everyone else's but mine. Oh, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> really flaccid when he walked past your desk. <laughs> it suddenly just disappeared. <laughs> Probably that's not appropriate, that conversation, is it? Do you want to name and shame the teacher? No. <laughs> okay. Maybe we'll take that out. That is staying in. <laughs> you always say that. Whenever I say anything really outrageous, you're like, I'm like, Hamish, that's got to go. You're like, nope, that's my favourite bit. Give the people what they want. They're the bits you do. The little, <laughs> they're the bits you cut out, aren't you? When you when you do our little Instagram yeah. posts, the bits that I hate, he's the one that posts the you post the sound for it, don't yeah. you? Yes. Well, this will be this episode will be 45 minutes long. It'll be containing lots of educational gold, yeah. and people will end the episode and remember that your teacher used to get a hard on when when you're in science class. What is all that about? It's not good, is it? I mean, maybe it's like unlucky trousers. Sometimes oh, there okay, are trousers right. where when you sit down, <laughs> is that, it looks is like... Is that what you say? That's to, what I call them. Is that what you say to girls? Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I'm wearing my unlucky trousers again. <laughs> oh, it's my un... Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> it's my unlucky trousers. <laughs> it sounds like an X-rated episode of Wallace and Gromit, isn't it? <laughs> sort of like a horrible, pervy Mr Bean. <laughs> Where's my unlucky trousers gone? Oh, sorry, ladies. Oh, dear, that's funny. Oh, no. Are you wearing your unlucky trousers no, I'm holding hope, the yeah, script hold over the script. my crotch. Yeah, I don't want to be wearing your unlucky trousers around here. Thank you very much. Uh. <laughs> oh, stop. We've got to carry oh, on. Oh, the next line's God. yours. I'm so relieved. I've got another few minutes to go for this. Uh, moving on. The science of how a habit works can be broken down into four simple steps. That is what your brain runs through each and every time. Firstly, the cue. You begin to feel anxious, for example, because the cue is the first indication that you are close to a reward. And that leads to a craving. Cravings are the second step and the motivational force behind every habit. What you crave is not the habit itself, but the change in state it delivers. This is the key. You don't crave drinking alcohol. You crave the feeling that it provides, the buzz, the quietening down of the voice in your head, the excitement, whatever it is for you, it's not the alcohol itself. Right, the third step is response. How motivated are you to drink, or in this case, to not drink alcohol? Does it require much mental or physical effort to do it? Do you have alcohol in the house are you in a pub or are you with a friend drinking and finally the reward the end goal of every habit the cue is about noticing the reward the craving is about wanting the reward and the response is about obtaining the reward mm. when you drink you were flooded with the dopamine or the sensitive effects that you found pleasing if so the reward delivered you the relief from the craving <laughs> does that make sense yeah, i'm still thinking about your still thinking about my unlucky trousers. <laughs> oh sorry i've got my unlucky trousers on <laughs> She's jet lagged. Give her, give her a minute. <laughs> Only to start with, of course. Then came the next drink. Then the shame, the anxiety, the hangover, disappointment and self-hatred. Ah, oh, good times. Yes. In order for the habit to be formed, all four of these stages must play their part. If you remove the cue, you won't get the craving. If you don't respond to the craving, you don't get the reward. So you have to kind of reverse it all. Exactly. So to start off with, let's look at removing the cues from your life. Have you ever gone about removing any cues from your life, Hamish? I have gone about removing any cues from my life. <laughs> I began by looking at what made me drink in the first place. The availability of drinks in my house. Okay, yeah. Whenever I opened the fridge, there they were, smiling back at me. Very good. So the only alcohol in my house today is hidden in a cupboard that I never go into. Liz hardly ever drinks, so that's been really easy. It's actually in Sunny's room. Okay. Um, which... <laughs> 
We realised the other night was more genius than we thought. Liz had a friend visiting a couple of weekends ago and they did have a drink. Yeah. And then there was no more drinks in the house. They thought, shit, it's in Sonny's room. So if we want to get another bottle, oh, he's asleep. we have to risk waking him okay, up. Okay, yeah, it's not it. worth they it. They went in there, they woke him up. The bottle they were looking for was not in there. <laughs> oh, God. That so friendship's quite, over then. It's quite a good idea. If you, yeah. if, if, if you or your partner still drinks, hide the alcohol in a really inconvenient place. Yeah. Like not a in a child. teenager's bedroom, no. God, no, 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 no. no. Sonny <laughs> cannot reach the top drawer yeah, of his okay. cupboard. We're all right there. Although I'm not actually too phased by its presence, like I said, I feel as if not seeing it every day in the house is still a good move. Weirdly, my fridge is now full of non-alcoholic beers. Yeah. And I'm drinking them more often than I should. Oh, right. Only like last week I filled the fridge with them. Now I'm having my Monday after work, Tuesday after work. It used to just be on Fridays and Saturdays. Oh, yeah, because Heaps Normal keeps sending them to us and we love them so Keep much. Keep them coming. Keep them coming, yeah. <laughs> uh, I also exercise every day. So what I do is I use that as a daily reminder of choosing a healthier lifestyle rather than an unhealthy one. I found that if I start off a day unhealthily, then I was more likely to eat fast food, buy an ice cream, eat chocolate, then get pissed in the evening. Whereas starting my day with exercise has the opposite effect. I'm in the mindset of like, don't go and have a McDonald's. Like you worked yeah. out for an hour this morning don't undo the good work that you've done and that sort of domino effect of having a healthier day as a result so it's you just stopping and taking a moment and realizing what you're doing so it's that it's that sit with it play it forward all of that comes yes. into play here doesn't it because so you're just thinking about it it's like getting rid of bad cues and then trying to implement one good cue like wake up and do something healthy yep to reverse it somebody told me about this thing recently about walking through a door frame Okay. No, it's interesting yeah. because actually walking into a door um, through into another room, mm. it's an opportunity for change. Okay. And it was like this way, this analogy of how actually if you if you decide that you feel like a drink, you go and walk through a door frame, it gives you an opportunity to change your frame of mind. It's actually a thing that oh, therapists do. Interesting. Yeah, it's quite interesting. Go on, try it. I'm just going to see you going to and fro out of doors. Yeah. I still want chocolate. I still want it. <laughs> What about you? Have, you? have you approached cutting out any of your old cues to alcohol? Well, one of the funny things here is I will say that therapy, I guess, is a form of cutting off a cue because mm -hmm. you learn about yourself and you get sort of professional input into why you feel a certain way. So actually, I think getting any sort of professional help will support yeah. you into giving up drinking because it helps you with your cues. Yeah. Stopping going to my old haunts, obviously. My best thing I ever did was move. Me too. Yeah. Me too. I feel like we both agree on that, but it's a yeah. difficult advice to give to people yeah, listening. Yeah, you can't move. Oh, just move. Just yeah. get on a flight and It's like move saying your quit life. your job or quit your relationship. Like, yeah. do the things that aren't work. If, if something's not working, change it. Yeah. I think that's the point, isn't it? And for me, I when I moved, nobody knew my reputation, which yes. we talked about on the Party Animal episode, and that helped me to change my personality almost mm -hmm. and and have a look at it whereas before i just would have given in because i'm a terrible people please and if someone said have a drink this is who you are i would have been like right i'll have one yeah. so not going to old haunts and actually moving that was one of the best mm -hmm. things i did no booze in the house of course i'm thinking about banning it for everybody in my house but um i think my mum might put a stiletto in my eye if i do that <laughs> i know i'll be i'll get the stare does your mum wear stilettos still yeah, of course yeah. she does. I She's a glamopus. You're right, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, in my head, those are like the really... Are they not really high, thin porn star ones? Oh, I'll show you her feet. I'll show, that is someone who's worn stilettos for oh, a long, no, long time. There's a craving for me, your yeah. mum's feet. Oh, yeah, maybe I won't. You might get your unlucky trousers on. <laughs> I'll show you her feet. What does that even look like? Well, because mum, her feet are... Oi, mum, get here. Yeah. Get, get your feet out. Look, mate. Get your look plates at, out. Look at her toes. Look how fucked up they are. Thanks, Mum. That'll be all. Yeah. Off home. See you later. <laughs> no, but she has got very fucked up toes. Oh, great. <laughs> Just, so you know. Just one for the wank bank later. <laughs> uh, it amazes me how downhill these podcasts go. <laughs> But it's supposed to be about something really intellectual. Your mum listens to this as well. ruin my friendship with your mum. <laughs> Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So, Vic, do you think you might have ADHD? Well, listeners keep emailing me telling me that they think I do, so probably. Mind you, listeners also email us saying we talk too much about your mum's feet. So what do they know? Yeah, fair enough. I honestly had no idea about the connection between overdrinking and ADHD until we started this podcast. About 40% of people that have had any sort of drinking issues also apparently have ADHD. Whenever we chat to ex-drinkers, this comes up more than you'd believe. If you have ADHD or suspect you might or just want to learn about this link, then we would encourage you to check out the I Have ADHD podcast. It's the place where adults with ADHD find research-based information, validation and tons of support. This is the best way to feel less alone and hear some of the answers to the questions you've been sitting with for too long. You'll hear detailed descriptions of what it means to have ADHD and enjoy interviews with the foremost experts in the industry so that you don't have to read those ADHD books that are collecting dust on your shelf. Yeah. Listen to the I Have ADHD podcast and learn how ADHD affects every aspect of your life, from the boardroom to the bedroom. In the podcast, you'll also hear about their ADHD coaching programme, which is called Focused. Focused is made up of three pillars, courses, coaching and community. It is designed to help you build your own self-improvement program and is perfect for the ADHD brain. And you can get $50 off the course just by using the code SOBER, S-O-B-E-R. So if you're tired of feeling stuck and don't know where to start, listen to the I Have ADHD podcast. Uh, Now, the other thing is to avoid places like we said about the horns, but... Mm. To avoid busy places, I find that's quite triggery. When everyone's drunk, that can make me feel like, what am I missing out on and why do I need to feel, I want to feel like them. Mm -hmm. So things like beer gardens and cocktail bars and pumpkin festivals. (laughs) (laughs) You knew that was coming, didn't you? I didn't know that was coming. I have been to a garlic festival, which is pretty rock and roll, but never never a pumpkin one. Hamish, there's one nearby. Pumpkin one? Yeah, it's in a place, I think it's called Goomery. We drove out there. It's in the outback, miles away, probably five hours from here. (laughs) And they have an annual pumpkin festival where they roll them down this big hill. You drove five hours to a pumpkin festival. Yeah, it was probably a bit of a waste of petrol, actually. It's your life. Yeah, we should have just thrown one out in the garden. It was pretty much a similar similar event. Wow. Yeah, so it does happen in Australia. Nah. That was something you were going to say, yeah. No, it was all right. We saw some camels. It was Saw some pumpkins is what we expected. Yeah. Um, Starting a podcast about sobriety. Helps. Very much so, because it's very clear, even writing about it, all Mm. of those things that keep you distracted. So any sort of distraction is going to help you from feeling Mm. a craving, whether it's a sport or whatever you do. We don't want the competition, though. Write about it yeah, and then do send us those words, but don't start a podcast about it. Would be I don't think advice. anyone else could do one as as terrible as, as ours. Highbrow as ours. Yeah. <laughs> lucky, my lucky trousers. <laughs> Next up, you're going to start looking at the craving itself. If you're listening to this podcast, the odds are you were a heavy drinker. As a result, having cravings for alcohol might be unavoidable. It is everywhere. Plus, the deep-rooted habits that you built over decades of drinking in every situation makes it super important to know what to do when a craving hits. So, Vic, when was the last time a craving hit for you? I have them often, but they're not severe. They're very, very brief. I have to have a little chat with you here, Hamish, about the limoncellos on mm. in Italy because after every meal, they bring you a free limoncello. And obviously I wasn't drinking and yeah. I'd said to the waiter, he was like, would you like a glass of wine? I was like, no, I don't drink. And I had an orange juice, beautiful fresh orange juice mm-hmm. over there, which I had every day. And then at the end, even though I'd said I didn't drink, they would bring me a limoncello. Really? And I say, no, no, I don't drink. They said, no, no problemo. Limoncello, it's sweet. Everybody drink. He just couldn't comprehend that. Mm. I wouldn't drink the limoncello and it was quite it was getting quite awkward to the point where every night I went out I was almost wanting to say please don't offer me a limoncello because yeah. it was getting to the point where I was almost being convinced by him mm. I was like well maybe it's all right if I have one he thinks it's all right he's Italian and it's funny how the brain starts to believe these sort of you know messages that mm. are coming from the outside I knew I wouldn't have it but at the same time there was part of me just going oh well maybe it is okay yeah. well, why anyone, can everyone else do it well exactly anyone less strong in their sobriety than you come night four or five or exactly. six for a waiter saying go on you probably would crave well that is it's not even it's almost like an, an 
unforeseeable craving mm. because there's somebody literally putting it in front of your eyeballs and going, here, have this. And it looks delicious. And it looks delicious. And, and I did have a smell of nice. it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that, that was the last time really I had a craving. I think what I will say about that, about my cravings now, is that they are more of memories than cravings now. Okay. Which is how I, I was trying to think about this last night. So if I see a cold beer or I think, oh, that looks nice, I remember how I used to feel when I had that first drink. Mm -hmm. But then I also remember how it actually made me want to die the next day. Yeah. So it's very brief, my going, oh, that looks nice, but... No, that made me have really bad anxiety to the point where I wanted to die. So do you think you can turn up the dial on the I wanted to die memory more than the, oh, yeah, having yeah. drinks a nice time? Absolutely, because it's it's not a reality for me having that yeah. one drink. Yeah. It was never, it never, ever ended well. And I know my own behaviour now because I've spent so much time looking at it and preparing for it and knowing that that is never, ever a possibility for me, one drink. Mm -hmm. So I do what we always say. I play the tape forward and I have to. And that ensures that that thought is sort of forced out of my mind. I know mm. it would just end up me stumbling around and probably sleeping with that waiter. Yeah. Quite honestly. Really he was, well, it didn't matter whether it's hot or not. If I'd had a few limoncellos. <laughs> yeah. So it's more of a, oh, there it is for me now. And I remember I used to do that and I don't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. So it is, it's like a memory. It's not a very painful process that I have to go through with cravings now because I know enough about alcohol to know that I don't want it in my body. So I don't tune into its call, if you know what I okay, mean. Okay, so yeah. you're, you're able to sort of nip it in the bud before. So craving sort of, for me, you know, that lasts... 20 minutes you know, yes. in your brain are you yeah. saying you see a condensation covered beer and yeah. you crave it and then you can just go boop, that absolutely nip it in the bud within a few yeah. seconds and that took me a couple of years to be able to do that yeah. because you know there's always that questioning period where am i doing the right thing am i doing the right thing but then you learn you learn how to control it and you know the truth about it yeah. and the truth is that i would never have one limoncello i would be dancing you know dancing on the piano by the end of the night yeah yeah what about you so my big craving, like I mentioned, so we're talking about Italy a lot, was when I crashed the rental car in Italy and I just had immense stress all day. I realised I actually don't have a lot of stress in my life. So when yes. I had immense stress for one day, I didn't know how to cope without going, I want to have a drink today. Yep. That was my, my biggest ever, I would say that's my biggest ever alcohol craving, even when I was drinking. Yes. Like that day I was just like, I need to drink. Yeah. Luckily I didn't. We recently, we go to these hotels, I've talked about this a lot in the past, but every hotel that we go to, because they're trying to impress Liz because of her job, they give us free bubbles. The one that we went to recently, not only do they give us free bubbles, they also gave us a free voucher for a cocktail in the yeah, restaurant right. downstairs. See, that's what I mean, they're shoving it under your nose. See, they're, that's, they're causing the craving. Yeah. Yeah, there's when people are doing that. There, there's always a connection for me with the craving for alcohol if... The alcohol is free. Of course, yeah, we did our freebies we episode. About yeah. Something about freebies. It's there. It's in ice when we walk into the room the first minute of a holiday. Yeah. We've got a view of the ocean fair, at a beautiful it? hotel. It's fucking hard. But people that don't drink are not considered in those situations, yeah. are they? That how triggery that would be for yeah. someone. Yeah, but it's danger, for Liz, danger now, Liz now just gets the bottle and she goes, right, we'll just bring that home. We'll give it to someone. And they give it to someone, yeah. Get married. Yeah. So she, you know, she doesn't drink it and I miss out which is pretty pretty good of her yeah i am finding i experience these cravings less often now i guess i go into a situation like i went to the football recently with with george and john and i expected to feel it i'm at a football match mm. every football match that i've ever been to 99 percent of the people are drinking at the bars are the biggest queue in the whole stadium and i expected to feel one then and actually i didn't have one at all the whole okay. night. It was okay, a women's good. football match. And my experience of that was my first time in a women's football match. Far less people drinking. Certainly less people. No one was drinking beer. There was like a, a beer bar with not a single person queued up at half time. It was more families. It was a friendlier atmosphere. So I, I didn't feel any craving at all then. I was like, okay. I, I felt like maybe I'd leveled up in my sobriety. Okay. In that I didn't even think about it. Great. At a football stadium. Yeah, just really present, just enjoying yourself. Yeah, that's yeah. a great that's a great point to get so to. So it was quite a good test. Yeah, sure is. So if cravings are unavoidable, then what can you do about them? Well, like we mentioned, a good place to start is by understanding that a craving is not for the alcohol itself. It's for the feeling it gave you. That might sound like it doesn't fix the problem, but think again. 
If you crave the feeling of relaxation that it gave you after a hard day's work, for example, then think of something else that makes you feel relaxed, like taking a bath. Replace the unhealthy habit with a healthier one. It might sound weird to take a bath when you're craving a beer, but it can rewire your brain this way. It's like walking through the doorway. It's a distraction. Remember, you are feeling like you want relief from stress. You are not feeling like a beer. Another tip that I heard about recently in Mel Robbins' podcast about her relationship with alcohol was to call the cravings out. I actually think this is what you were talking about earlier without realising this is what you do. So she interviewed somebody called Rachel Hart, who is an author and sobriety coach. And she said by noticing the cravings and literally saying to yourself, of course I'm craving a beer, I've just had an argument with my partner or had a bad day at work or whatever it is, by taking ownership of it and verbalising the emotion, like you said, oh, there it is, you're less likely to give into it. Yeah, it might be even a phrase. That would probably be a really good idea, Mm -hmm. like just saying, oh, there it is. There's that feeling. There's that old feeling of me wanting to drink and now I'm going to let it pass. Mm -hmm. And just recognising it. What's the word I'm looking for? Disassociation. Yeah, so like, yeah, real recognize it and then disassociating yeah. yourself with it. Yeah. So you take that thought and place it out of your body. Yeah. Oh, I'm having a thought about wanting a beer. It's not I want a beer. Yes. It's oh, there's that thought. There's that, I have that thought. That can pass. Yeah, and realize that it's a thought. It's like any emotion; it will pass. <laughs> yeah. Of course, another tip that we always give whenever the strength of your body is tested is to strength play of your sobriety. Oh, sorry. <laughs> The strength of your body is tested. Do some more sit Yeah, just eat healthier. <laughs> and the strength of your sobriety is tested. Is to play. When have we ever talked about the strength of your body? Body strength tested? is very important in this game, Hamish. Uh, play the tape forward. Remember why you gave this up in the first place. Call a friend or a professional for some support or hop onto Cuppa and share what you're experiencing. Or listen to an episode of this podcast, of course. Yeah. Always the best. Or quit lit, particularly or quit lit, Vicks. Yes. Out February oh, yeah, 2024. Oh, of course, Hamish. Yeah, my book certainly help if you're listening. 2024. Is it 2024? Yeah, February 2024. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good. Actually, I let my friend Kate read the first copy while we're away. She hated it. No, she loved it. She wouldn't tell me. I said, please don't tell me if you hate it. I don't want to know. It's too late. Oh, she would have loved it. Yeah. Finally, for the third and final part of my podcast slash TED Talk on cravings. Wait, I've just realised that you were supposed to say subtle little plug there, but it says subtle little pug. (laughs) That's what I think of you as. Oh. Just a subtle little pug. Little pug face man. It's like Ricky Gervais when he was, that David Bowie sang that song about him. You remember? Let's talk briefly about the relapse. This is something that I think can be overcomplicated and overthought. So firstly, let me say that relapses happen. Mm. It's very easy to see the relapse as you're failing at sobriety, to beat yourself up and give up. Don't allow this to happen to you. The first mistake is never the one that ruins you. It's the spiral of repeated mistakes that follows Missing once is an accident. Missing twice is the start of a new habit. The problem is not slipping up. The problem is thinking that if you can't do something perfectly, you shouldn't do it at all. We are all or nothing people, us sober folk. Don't fall in the trap. It was interesting. I heard a podcast recently about this and they talked about the wagon. You know, we talk about if you you have a relapse, you fall off the wagon. Mm. The wagon doesn't go anywhere. The wagon is still there. You can get back onto the wagon. Yeah. You don't have to fall off and stay off. Yeah, the, like, the horses haven't gone wild. No, the and horses taken are taken the wagon for away. You. Yeah. yeah, it's only if you carry on drinking the second day, third day, and go fuck it, I've, I've, I've blown it. Mm. Then you're off the wagon permanently. The, the the horses leave. The wagon is waiting there for you to get back on. But a relapse can happen. Picking back up your drinking habit following a, le- a relapse shouldn't. It really is as simple as that. Be kind to yourselves, people, and focus on the bigger picture. Remember, a relapse is an opportunity for you. To start again with more motivation to do it better this time round. A relapse is basically an education. We get a lot of people on Cuppa going, look, I decided to try moderation again. And there was a brilliant post mm. the other day and she wrote, this is what happened. She wrote a bigger list of why it didn't work out. Okay. She went guns blazing. Yes, I'm ready. I've been sober for a year and I feel strong and I think I can manage to have a few drinks. Mm-hmm. And it went completely wrong. She had bad anxiety again. The one drink turned into two, turned into three, turned into four. And it was a really brilliant way. She did it. But now I know it was like a test. Mm-hmm. It was a test showing me that I can't do it. 
So when a relapse happens, use it as a test and say, right, that doesn't work for me because it won't. Yeah. Moderation won't work for you mm-hmm. if you're a big drinker and you've given up. It won't work. So going in, it's not the end of the world to to have a relapse. That's that's our point is that yeah. it might make you feel awful, which will make you want to drink again. Yeah. And you'll want to numb out the fact that you've relapsed. So then you're on this vicious mm-hmm. spiral again. So, so don't do that. Yeah, well, you can make bad things your biggest motivator. Like yes. For you, if you'd never suffered from anxiety, you probably would never have gone sober. Absolutely. For somebody else, if they never relapsed over and over again, they probably would never have had that. Yeah. Screw it. Like I've, I'm at my lowest point now. I'm going to absolutely go for it. Never drink yeah. again. And so if you'd you never tried moderation gone back in you'd probably never be sober now it's the same thing <laughs> these these bad things that happen to us everyone i know they feel like shit but actually they're the things that will make you strong we hope that by this stage of the podcast you feel as if you understand the mechanics behind the formulation of a habit a little clearer not really hamish no we haven't done the best job <laughs> i'm more confused than when it started <laughs> Hopefully you understand what a craving really is and how to act on them when you're hit by one. And you're better prepared to pick yourself back up should you give in to a craving and relapse. I must say there, when we say you're hit by one, it makes it sound like this bolt out of the blue that William Mm -hmm. Porter talked about all the time. It's not a bolt out of the blue. It's you creating it. So if you remember that, it doesn't come from anywhere else. It comes from you and you associating yourself in all of these situations of when and reminding yourself of when you used to drink. So remember that. It's coming from you. Those cravings are coming from inside your brain. Right, Hamish, shall we finish with a cheesy quote and a disappointing affirmation and an email? It's quite a lot, isn't it? It's a lot, but it's all it's all worth it. They're good Holy ones. shit, we've got a big one here. Go on. You can do it. You can do the quote. Ralph Waldo Everson, whoever the fuck he is. <laughs> Our greatest glory is not in never failing, but in rising up every time we fail. Is that like your unlucky trousers? Yes. They rise up when you fail. They do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> From flaccid to erect. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be the name of my book. <laughs> I'd read that. <laughs> yeah, the, the disappointing affirmation. Don't let anyone tell you what you can't do. That's a job for your insecurities. Oh, yeah, spot on. <laughs> We've had an email from Simone in Spain. Are we going to read this whole thing, Amish? Yeah. Go on, go for it. No, you do it. You can tell she's lazy because it's a long one. Yeah, bloody hell. Simone in Spain. She said, hi there. I just wanted to drop you both and Lucy an email to thank you for your very open, raw and honest podcast. I've laughed, cried and had many aha moments listening to your conversations. I'm an English expat based in Spain, hating the acceptable drinking lifestyle here and only found you recently. But having binge listened to you for a week and then listened to Vic's interviews on Danny Carr's podcasts and your message from a bottle, I decided to stop drinking on Boxing Day. Just like that, no big fanfare, just a commitment to take care of myself. I just know I drank too much every day. Having just lived through New Year's Eve out of a massive party, not even wanting to drink, I feel I can really make this change for me, and a massive chunk of that is down to you both. I've had to give myself permission to guilt-free prioritise myself. How mad is that? But this is what I've committed to do. Playing the tape forwards really keeps me not wanting to even think about a drink. I know I am only at my first few initial steps of this lifestyle of sobriety but i wanted to reach out i've never done this kind of thing before and thank you for giving me my life back well how lovely simone from spain isn't that love sweet? simone from spain congratulations simone that is amazing we are so happy we love getting those emails don't we home yeah because sometimes we question our tomfoolery on this podcast we do we wonder why we do it and then we get emails like that literally every single day and it keeps us really motivated. Yes. So we'll just keep on keeping on, won't we, Aim? Particularly if the name is an alliteration. If you're Simone from Spain or you're Ian from Ireland or Paul from Portugal, yeah. please email. Yeah. We'll read them out if your name is an alliteration of where you live. Now, let's go and have a look at your unlucky trousers, shall we? Uh, yes. Now, where's that photo of your mum's foot? <laughs> it's our special time. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you're questioning your relationship with booze, you're struggling to moderate, or your hangovers are causing anxiety, it might be time to reach out for some support. Yeah, just talk to a mate about how you're feeling, contact a local doctor, find an AA or sobriety group. fix has got one. Yeah, just head to www.cuppa.community. Remember, if you're questioning yourself, it might be time to seek support. Even though this journey can be awkward, it is definitely worth it. And if you've enjoyed the Sober Awkward podcast, don't forget to review it, rate it and share it with your mates. 
they have to share it with their mates? Yeah, of course they do. I'm not doing this for nothing, Hamish. Bloody hell. How do they share it? Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly. But sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland. And you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just, I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. So, as you probably know, my comedy memoir, A Thousand Wasted Sundays, is officially out. All my magnificent fuck-uppery in one awkward hit. If you'd like to get your hands on a copy, it's now available from all good bookstores. We always say all good bookstores, don't we? Yeah. Are, there, are there bad bookstores? There's probably ones with moody, moody what? sellers. Oh, yeah, really yeah. depressed librarian folks. Yes, yes, okay, yes. Good, yes. Good. So there are probably some, but we're only storing it in the good ones. It's only made it into the goodies. <laughs> You can also get it from all good online retailers. The print version and ebook are out now, and the audiobook will be available in March. I've been writing my memoir for five years. It will make you laugh, cry, and cringe, and hopefully inspire a few people to reconsider their relationship with booze. If you love the podcast, then I think you'll love the book, even if I do say so myself. Hamish has read it. What did you think? I feel like I know a little bit too much about you now, to be honest, Vic. Look, I really loved it. It was hilarious and surprisingly moving, but I feel like I've seen you naked in a literary sense. Yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, that's worrying. Yeah. yeah. From an emotional point of view, seriously, it wobbled my teeny-weeny wooden heart, Vic. Okay. <laughs> my teeny little wooden heart. Well, his, teeny little, his wooden heart is broken. Anyway, so if you do manage to get your filthy mitts on a copy, please do me a favour and head to goodreads.com and give me a review. Doing that will help me get it out there to those that need a bit of sober support. So there you have it. My story, unwanted warts and all. Come and get awkward with me. Not to be too demanding or anything, but seriously, go and buy it Yeah, now. go and buy it. Go and buy it right now. Yeah, don't just tell your friends. Buy it and then buy your friends one or two. Yeah, yeah, don't give them a copy. Yeah. Buy it, yeah. And you know what? Don't be careful where you store it. If you lose it, you can always buy another yeah, five. Yeah, buy another one. Yeah. <laughs> 